I, I, uh, I have a confession to make. I actually failed at science at school. I know, I know, I'm a, I'm a man with a past. Um, but tonight, what I want to do is um, to, to, to speak about, to talk about uh, a very basic, a very key scientific principle that even I can understand. Is that okay? Brilliant. So the scientific principle is this. Uh, if I take myself down to the hospital and I walk into a COVID ward, and I walk into that COVID ward and I've got no protection from COVID whatsoever, I've got no visor, no mask, no PPE, no hand sanitizer, no vaccine, nothing. Perhaps I didn't have Boris's mobile number either. And so I walk into the COVID ward and without any protection whatsoever, I'm very, very likely to get COVID, aren't I? We all know that COVID is highly contagious. Uh, the, the past year has all been structured around this fact that sickness is uh, contagious. It's affected everything about our lives. So sickness is contagious, but wellness isn't contagious, is it? I mean, if I went in, if I, if I went into the hospital, if I went into the COVID ward, sort of science expert that I am, and I go in and I'm like, I'm going to make these people well. I'm going to cough all over them with my wellness virus, and they're going to become well. Um, well, th th that's not going to work, is it? I know it's, it's, it's not rocket surgery. And in today's passage in Haggai, the third time God speaks, where he's speaking about building the church. For us today, that means you and me, the people. That we are the people, we are the church. And, and God, he's looking at how we can build the church back better. And God, he gives the same scientific principle. Let me explain. So God's people, they've returned from exile. And even though the temple isn't fully built yet, the, the altar is fully built. And they need an altar to, to make sacrifices to God, to atone for their sin. Otherwise, they have no access to God. And so God, through the prophet Haggai, he says in verse 11, go to the priest, go to the priest and ask if you're carrying consecrated meat, so if you are carrying meat that has been set apart for sacrifice and it touches other food, ask the priest, does that food become consecrated? And the priests say, no, you can't catch holiness. It's like wellness, you can't catch holiness. But then uh, God asks in verse 13, what if someone touches a dead body? It's probably the, the most extreme case of defilement that there is. And then that person touches one of those items. Does it become defiled? Yes, is the answer. It's like, it's like an illness. So, so you can't catch holiness, but you can catch defilement. And so much so, it's, it's highly contagious. And we read in, in verse 14, God says... So it is with this people and this nation in my sight. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. So God's people have a problem. And we have a problem too. We can't catch holiness, but you can catch defilement. I wonder if you've ever had a, like a rotting roast chicken in, uh, in the bin at home, in the kitchen. You know just how it just totally stinks out the entire place. The whole place reeks of this uh, chicken. And if you can uh, imagine being anywhere near the, the Temple Mount as, as oh, the smoke from all those dead animals went up and the blood poured down the hill, can you imagine 
uh, what it must have smelt like, what it must have been like to, to, to be around there. And why did God ask them to do that? Well, it, it's to show the people just how revolting, just how disgusting and foul their sin is to God. You may think, uh, yeah, but they were the old days. That was, that was God 1.0. That's what God used to be like, and now we have Jesus. Jesus isn't like that. And I, I, I guess you could argue that case. You could argue that case, uh, except for the fact that Jesus said he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. If you, if you ignore also Jesus' teaching about sin, where he's at his clearest and his simplest, and if you ignore too that Jesus came to, to die on the cross for your and my sin, if Jesus wanted to overlook your and my sin, he would have overlooked your and my sin, but he didn't overlook our sin. He paid the price for our sin. That is how seriously God takes our sin. We know, we know that God finds worship offensive without justice. We also know that God finds our worship offensive if we are not holy. God says in verse 14, whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. This defilement has a viral quality to it. It infects everything. It is highly contagious. Your fellow worshippers' greatest need is your own personal holiness. After all, Jesus says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Peter says something similar. He says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Is our prayer and worship acceptable and pleasing in God's sight, I wonder? Both individually and collectively, we need each other's holiness. Coming and praying or, or serving with the, 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 the kids' team or, or hosting, or whatever it may be, does not make up for sin during the week. We congratulate Christians for, for making this extraordinary achievement if they don't have sex outside of marriage, or if they wake up in the morning without a hangover. Sometimes we set the bar for ourselves so low that we trip up over it. We take as our frame of reference other people around us, or people we see in the news, and we think, well, I haven't murdered anyone. But Jesus says, are you angry with someone? Or we may think, I've not committed adultery, but Jesus says, do you lust? Jesus' teaching at his simplest and at his clearest. Jesus is saying this is not about a checklist of, of do's and don'ts. It's definitely not about virtue signaling. But it is about the state of your heart. I've been reminded this week of someone who came to me um, who came to HTC and they weren't a follower of Jesus and they met Jesus, they encountered him, he transformed their life. And, and this person said to me, uh, Jamie, I no longer feel at peace about doing yoga. 
Which, when you think about it, is not that much of a surprise, considering if you just do a little bit of light Googling, you see that, that the origins, the history, the practices of yoga are based and founded in a totally different religion. And you may think, well, everyone else is doing it. That's not really a good enough reason, is it? Without first giving it some careful thought. God says over and over in Haggai, give careful thought. In chapter 1, he says, verse 5, give careful thought to your ways. In verse 7, he says, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, give careful thought, give careful thought to your actions and their consequences. If your God never challenges your thinking and your attitudes and your actions, then perhaps, perhaps it's time to find a new God who isn't made in the image of yourself. For that person, it was, it was yoga. I wonder what it might be for you. Perhaps it's that Netflix series that you're watching without any modicum of discernment about what kinds of messages that, that program is sending you night after night after night. Perhaps it's greed, your thoughts life, words you use, Maybe sexual purity, jealousy, apathy, anger, a whole range of actions that you've never once given careful thought to before. Stanley Hauerwas was declared America's best theologian. His mum must be so proud. And uh, he said this, What you are up against in being saved is not simply your personal faults and foibles, your petty temptations and peccadilloes. You are up against what we call the principalities and powers. Evil is large, it's cosmic, it's organized, subtle, pervasive, and real. The powers never appear as evil and coercive. The powers always masquerade as freedoms that we have been graciously given or as necessities that we cannot live without. This is a call. It's a call for us to be discerning, to give careful thought, to to give careful thought to your sin, to give careful thought to your defilement, give careful thought to your ways. Are they holy ways? You You don't drift into holiness. You very easily drift into sin. You drift into defilement. But holiness has to be planned. You have to give it careful thought. You have to choose it. The flip side of of asking whether our worship, whether our prayer is acceptable and pleasing to God, I, I guess the flip side of that is asking, how's worship for you at the moment? I mean, perhaps you're going through a dry patch. Perhaps there's there's other things going on for you. But if you've had that sense of just, of just God's blessing being removed, of losing that joy in following Jesus, a, a deadening, a hollowing out, a spring in your step, all that stuff just being taken away from you, it might just be time to take careful thought about your life. It might be time to to ask, am I cheapening the grace that has been given to me? 
the journalist Ben Sixsmith, who, who is not a follower of Jesus. He recently uh, wrote in The Spectator, he, he wrote after the fall of a Christian leader, and he wrote this. He wrote about what he calls the, the dot, dot, dot with a twist of Christianity trend, where, where Christians seem to look exactly like non-Christians, but with a twist of Christianity. And he writes, so if, if Christianity is such an inessential add-on, why become a Christian? He goes on, I'm not religious, so it is not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel that their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there is nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. Do you see here how, how fascinating, how, how transforming the church would be if it was being what it's supposed to be? C.S. Lewis once wrote in a letter, how little people know who think that holiness is dull when one meets the real thing, and perhaps like you have only met it once, it's irresistible. That was true of Jesus, wasn't it? It's irresistible. Lewis goes on, if even 10% of the world's population had it, would not the whole world be converted and happy before the year's end? A minority, a remnant, a, a small minority that makes a huge impact. Haggai's already called the people the remnant twice, and God himself has described these people as the remnant, the core of God's people. They've returned from exile in Babylon to Jerusalem. They've come back to restore the temple, the place of God's presence. And the defining characteristic of these people is to be their holiness, the holy remnant. We get distracted we get distracted by fears of being legalistic, of being holier than thou, or just a little bit too intense. And all the while we miss out on what God has won for us on the cross, what God wants for us, a purity that makes people want to become like Jesus. A provocative purity that, that doesn't repel, but attracts. What use are we to the world if we offer nothing distinctive at all? The primary calling of the church is not relevance. The primary calling of the church is presence. It's the presence of God, and it's also to be present in the world. And it is the presence of God not filling bricks and mortar and stone but God's holy people, a holy remnant that is going to change the world. Peter said, you are a royal priesthood, so start to act like it. Can I encourage you today, tonight, this week, to have a look. Have a look at 1 Peter 2 and see, see the impact of what that means on the people around you. That as the, as the royal priesthood, that you and I, we, we bring people to God. We bring God to people because we have been changed by Jesus. 
It's time for us to get serious, to get real, that this is our identity. This is about who we are. Jesus, he has made us holy. But what happens in exile? Well, there's a level, at least a level, at least a degree of of compromise with your surroundings. But God, he doesn't want compromise. He doesn't want complacency. He doesn't want mediocrity. In the Old Testament, when someone who is unclean touches someone clean, the, the clean person is contaminated. What we see in the New Testament is that when Jesus comes across a leper or someone who's sick, someone who's, who needs healing, Jesus doesn't get contaminated. But the person who needs healing gets healed and they receive the blessing of Jesus Christ. And this is the power of the cross. Now you and I, we are not Jesus. But in Jesus, we have what we have in him, we have to offer the world. What we have going on inside of us, we have to, to offer people. So, so what have you got to offer? What is it that's going on inside of you? Have you caught Jesus' holiness? Holy remnant can only change a nation if it is in itself Holy. If we are going to free Clapham from its idols, then we too need to be free from those idols. So we need to give careful thought. That's what God says again. He says it again in verse 15. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. He talks about the, the blessing that they missed out on. They missed it. They actually received a curse. We read in verse 16 that when when anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Where's the hope? In an agricultural society, these people, they, they missed out on all the, all the blessing that God wanted for them. And like I was saying before, it's worth us considering if, if there's that sense of missing out on God's blessing, it's worth us giving careful thought. Of maybe you've known that blessing before and you just know it's gone. You, you don't know the presence of God anymore. Give careful thought. God, he he wants to bless all nations through Jesus Christ. That was always the point of the remnant. That was always the point of God's people. As the blessing would come to them, the blessing would flow through them. Then in verse 18, the key key is this. God says, from this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought thought is there yet any seed left in the barn until now the vine and the fig tree the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit from this day on I will bless you he's saying that when you when you laid the foundation of the temple 
when you prioritised what I prioritised, when you cared about what I care about, ultimately, when you returned to me. That is the moment that I begin to bless you. They haven't seen the fruit of this blessing yet, but we see in this passage that the seed is in the ground. And God, he is speaking to these people in the middle of December, so it's not yet harvest time. And often that's the way, isn't it? We make a decision. We know it can take a while after that to see the blessing. And in a world of of instant gratification, God, he wants us to to be ready for all the blessing coming our way, all the blessing that is coming our way and coming through us, through through the way of holiness. So can I urge you, don't delay One phrase that has been bouncing around my, my head and my heart since last year is really, for me, is the, is the heart of Haggai. If you remember uh, in John 2, when, when Jesus, he, he very carefully makes a whip. And we see him overturning tables and he cleanses the, the temple of, of money lenders of sheep and cattle. And his disciples remember Psalm 69 where it says, zeal for your house will consume me. The truth is, it did consume Jesus. It totally consumed him. It cost him his life. Jesus, the the undefiled one, the beautiful one, the, the clean one, the anointed one, He became sin for you and me so that each one of us could know total and complete forgiveness. And if we are to have Jesus' zeal, if we are to have his passion for the church, his his passion for us, to be all that we are supposed to be, to to be temples of the Holy Spirit, the place of God's presence where, where people meet God, where no one misses out, then it's time for us. It's time for us to say, send in the cleaners to my temple. Send in the cleaners. It's time to stop making excuses and explaining away sin. Send in the cleaners to to, to my temple to confess your sin, to repent, to take careful thoughts and action, to turn away from sin and turn to Christ. And you and I, we get to receive the, the blessing of holiness, the joy of obedience, and the extraordinary, full of fire, love of Jesus Christ. Shall we turn to him?